Tom, are you okay? I lost her. Her? She was going to be this epic, trilogy-worthy character. I was going to be the hottest writer in Hollywood. But I can't get past Act One! You need some writer's group therapy. Hello and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. And if you like what you hear, make sure you follow us at writersgrouptherapy.com online or on Twitter and Instagram at WG Therapy individually. I'm Tom underscore Loveman on uh, Twitter, Tom Loveman on Instagram. And I am at Roshni Lamino on Twitter and at Moon Lily Music on Instagram. Well... The world has stopped, and yet things are just happening. It's crazy. It's like every day, every minute, something changes. <laughs> well, you seem busier than ever. I'm I'm enjoying the time. I'm using it for other, you know, writing and other projects. But you're, like, ridiculously busy. I am jealous of you. Let me just tell you. <laughs> I wish I had time off right now. Yeah, I don't think it's like a vacation. I mean, I'm keeping plenty busy. I've got... Um, you know, we got the writers group still. I've been doing uh, um, uh, Zoom meetings with people and uh, had a Zoom uh, open mic night I went to uh, the last few weeks. Every week that my friend's been doing this. I'm just the audience. I haven't been doing like online stand up, but there's like eight or 10 or a dozen or more comedians come on that thing. And it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And and uh, yeah, so I'm doing that. Um, I've been killing it on Masterclass. We, I got like a week left before our, uh, the annual subscription is up. We've been using this. I can't believe it's been a whole year since we started that. Oh my gosh. You know, what's really ironic too about masterclass. We got a subscription because remember I was super sick for a month and I was like, Oh, I need something to do. So we decided to sign up for masterclass. And now we're ending in a period where everyone's like, Oh, I'm at home and I need something to do. Yeah. I knocked out like eight or 10 lessons by Aaron Sorkin teaches writing today, which is a really great class, you know, and I finished up uh, Steve Martin a few days ago. I'm kind of plowing through them here at the end, trying to get as much as I can in. I'm impressed. I'm in the middle of Margaret Atwood, but I don't know if I'll finish before we end the subscription. I got to share this thing with Aaron Sorkin. That's so funny um, that people really appreciate Uh, anyone, anyone who's ever had writer's block. Um, Aaron Sorkin, he says um, he's basically in a constant state of writer's block, which is occasionally, you know, lifted by a day or two of unblockedness. And then he just tries to get as much as he get, can get done in those couple of days. He also says he, he takes 18 to 24 months to write a feature film. Oh, wow. But he's only writing for like two or three of them. <laughs> oh, my word. So all that extra time, it's all research and thinking about it and writer's block about it and stuff. He's actually, it's, he's a very human person. I, I always felt he was, from his stories, um, put him on a kind of a pedestal, I guess. But he's very much like, a, like everybody. I mean, he's just, he's, he's a guy, you know, he's a writer and he has the same issues we all have. He, he you know, he, uh, it's interesting that his, and, and I think you, you can appreciate this too, his strength is in characters and dialogue and not action. And yeah. that came out when he was talking to some students in a in a workshop that I thought was interesting. So I'm like, I could team up with Aaron Sorkin because I'm good at action. <laughs> I would be curious because I haven't, and I probably won't get a chance to watch it before the subscription expires. But one thing I've noticed from reading Aaron Sorkin's scripts, he is great with punctuation. And I know that sounds really weird, but as an actor, 
punctuation is amazing because it tells you what the author's intent is. And if there's no punctuation, you're like, I have no idea what you meant. And then you could totally misinterpret the script. Does he talk about that? Does he have a lesson about using punctuation properly for actors? Not that I've gotten to yet. Um, I'm about a third of the way through this lesson, so I've got quite a bit to go. Mm-hmm. Um, he does talk about how the character is really up to the actor in a lot of ways. Like he doesn't get too detailed uh, when he's doing his characters. Mm-hmm. He he comes up with like who they are, what's their motivation, what's their motivation. But he doesn't he doesn't get into long character analysis. What's their favorite color? What's their favorite food? You know. He doesn't do those kind of breakdowns. He lets, you know, lets that kind of be the the uh, actor brings a lot of that to it. Uh, in fact, he had a great story about how he was on set and this one actor was there and, and he was wearing, a, the actor was wearing a wedding ring. And he was like, wait, I never said that that character was married. And he asked the actor, why are you wearing a wedding ring? He's like, well, I'm wearing it. So you'll tell me why I'm wearing it, which I thought was amazing. Huh. And they went on to basically discuss, decide that this actor um, had, uh, this character had been divorced, but was still very much in love with his ex-wife, Still, so he still wore the wedding ring. So it's just Aww. that little kind of detail, and it was really kind of the actor who brought that out. So mm-hmm. again, you know, thinking about your characters and, and how, you know, how detailed you want to get in them, don't, don't go too far, because you got to leave some room for creativity on the side of the actor even, I guess. They're going to help you with that in some ways. That's awesome. If I can plow through Margaret Atwood, then I'll I'll get to that. There's so many. <laughs> That's kind of a horrible thing to say about Margaret Atwood. Um. <laughs> well, no, I mean, actually, it's really good. It's very, um, I'm only in like the first five, like lessons within the first five lessons. And so it's still very much like foundational stuff, but it's really good. Yeah. You know, it's just, and it's different. It's a different way of thinking because it's novel writing, not script writing, which is what we've been so bent on for the, how many years. But, and I feel like, you know, now that we've done a year of masterclass, we'll just do a little roundup right now. I feel like it's exploded in in the amount of classes that they offer from when we signed up a year ago to now. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Everybody's got a masterclass now. Yeah. And they're on every subject. I mean, it was, it was a lot of, it started with a lot of like the arts, you know, writing, filmmaking, acting, even. But now it's cooking and it's uh, magic and taxes and space travel and everything poker. else. Poker, <laughs> I yeah, poker, poker, basketball. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And I seriously, I've realized about myself, I'm not a good online class person. I just, I, something about it, like I like listening to it in the background, but I just can't be disciplined enough to follow it on a regular basis. So I probably wouldn't re-up, but I think for you, you've really found it helpful, right? Well, yeah, actually it really plays to my learning style. And, and I was thinking about this too, because you, you make lists, you take notes. I listen and absorb. So it's perfect for me. I can just watch these and I absorb stuff. I don't remember everything, but it's how I learn, you know, from listening to people. I'll remember the stories they tell, how they tell it. It's kind of that nature. I, I'm not somebody who makes a lot of notes and then goes back and reads them later because I'm horrible at that. I can't even read my own handwriting. So most <laughs> of the time it's pointless. Uh, that's why I use a computer. Yeah, it's, I think it's been fantastic. Uh, you know, again, it, it took me a while to get going. And now as we're getting down towards the end of our annual subscription here, cramming at the end <laughs> college all over again. But it's it's been worth it, I think. I I I'm not, I don't know if I'd do it again, um, unless they had a significant, you know, a lot more people I wanted to, you know, do the lessons with. But yeah. it's been very helpful. That's good. 
So if you're thinking of getting masterclass, just know your learning style. I know I'm a lot more hands-on. I think you can actually sit there and pay attention. Me, I'm like, I want to just jump in and then research when I hit that brick wall. But I'm a little, I'm a little. Oh, I, would say, I would say every course has like like workbooks and things you download that give you activities and stuff to do. So mm-hmm. again, you have to be disciplined to do that. But I did download a bunch of those, um, even from courses I haven't taken. <laughs> just. To- <laughs> have the workbook like the, the one on cooking actually I, I downloaded the one on like cooking so i have recipes if i ever decide i want to try that there you go there you go speaking of other things you're trying you actually signed up for that quibi thing or quibi or i don't know how you say yeah. it yeah quibi quibi i don't know i'm I not do. sure actually quibi qb i don't know I, no one's really said it out loud it's the short form um mobile first and only platform by um some major players i've enjoyed it i'm kind of hooked on this one show in there called the most dangerous game which is liam hemsworth and christoph waltz um the 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 story's a little on the cliche side you know you've got a terminally ill guy who's sick and he's got a wife who's pregnant and he's gonna die and and he wants to leave money for his family and the only way he can do that because his business is horrible is um to uh agree to be hunted by people Mm-hmm. and every hour he survives, his wife gets more money. So um, I'm about six or eight episodes into that now, and they're about eight minutes each. I'm also watching Survive, which is Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones is the star of that, and she's uh, in a plane crash and has to survive even though she's suicidal in the first place, which is kind of ironic, but it's a nice twist. And uh, I really liked, you know, I'm from Cleveland, I liked uh, I Promise. I watched uh, a bit of that. That's the LeBron James docu-series about how he started the I Promise school in his hometown in Akron, Ohio, um, for underprivileged, you know, at-risk kids, where, you know, they would all promise to study hard and go to college, and he would pay for it all and stuff. Oh, that's cool. It's kind so of a nice So these are all 10-minute or less films. There's some that might be a little longer, but yeah, about 10 minutes is about average, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Those are, I mean, those are the three I've kind of hooked on to. There's like 24 shows already. Mm-hmm. A good portion of them are reality and talk shows and kind of rehash on the news kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few more scripted ones. There's a comedy. There's a murder mystery one called When the Streets Go Out. You know, so it's a, it's a real variety. Um, there's one with Will Forte um, called Flipped, which is, kind of a meta show because it's about two people who decide to become reality TV show hosts for a home renovation show because they, they both get fired from their jobs at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's a real variety. Wasn't the premise of this whole platform supposed to be like, Oh, you just watch it really quick when you're like getting ready for work or out the door or like when you had snippets of time, unlike now yeah, in quarantine well, where we have yeah, obviously hours we're, of we're, time. Uh, we, I can watch it, you know, three or four episodes in a row because I've got a half hour to kill. But yeah, it was originally designed to be mm-hmm. um, for the, you know, YouTube, uh, TikTok audience that has a limited, you know, attention span, I guess, or for people on the go who want to watch something in between meetings or while they're waiting for the bus or the train, that kind of stuff. But yeah, ironically, in this particular time and place, it seems out of place. It seems like it's, it's a solution for a problem like no one has right now, right? Yeah, just finish the channel. <laughs> but here's a question, because I mean, I I kind of think writing an episode in 10 minutes, like how do you even get the arc? Like how, 
I mean, obviously you yeah. have to cut out BC story, but like it's pretty much you know yeah, it's all A story in a lot of ways. The pacing is good on the ones I've seen because uh, you know the way they've edited them. Uh, you know they've kind of thought long story. These are serialized stories, so they've just written them with you know breaks that you can mm-hmm. digest. So it's just like acts of a TV show for the most part. They're just a little shorter than you know if you had an average twelve to fifteen minute act. These are like eight minute acts. Mm. Okay. Well, speaking of new environments, so we are out here in Los Angeles and they actually just announced. So here we go, guys. Disclaimer, we're we're uh, recording this on April 14 and we are still in lockdown through Some, May. I, I believe right, it's yeah. May 19. So mid-May. Yeah, mid-May. And Governor Newsom just announced a six point what would have to happen for us to ease out of lockdown. But even then, it's going to look different, such as um, restaurants, you know, you're still going to have to sit six feet apart from people and waiters and waitresses might have to wear face masks and gloves. Um, Big gatherings, you know, that's kind of off the table. So concerts and sporting events, fairs, Mm -hmm. that's not happening. But we were talking off podcast, how will that change the entertainment industry, because assuming lockdown happens, we are still in the middle of pilot season. It not only changes how we do production as far as, you know, because you've got all these people on set, but even mm-hmm. how you shoot. They're the all going to be one shots of <laughs> people standing alone. They're not going to have a, a right? lot of uh, oh close scenes, I guess, for a while, or they're going to have to CG it all together. <laughs> I was even talking about this with one of my friends, right. makeup artists, hair people. What are they going to do? I kind of don't want a makeup person coming at me right now with a brush. I understand you've mm-hmm. cleaned it in between, but you never know. You never know. I got a sty once from a makeup artist a long time ago. I don't want a chance getting COVID, you know? Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen I mean, it, to certain it's jobs? It's going to be up to the, you know, the producers to decide. Um, I mean, once they're allowed to do it, how to do it safely. Uh, safety is always, you know, kind of like the number one thing on a set. It's just going to be adding this aspect of safety to it. The testing will be a big factor. We still don't have nearly enough testing in LA. So we don't know who's had it and not been symptomatic, that kind of thing. So we don't know, you know, we don't even know who's still at risk and who's not. So a lot of that's going to have to play out in the next month or more to before they even can do this. But, uh, and what I was wondering was, are they going to have to rewrite scripts now? You know, if you write, if you have a show that's set in the present and this is the present, are you going to ignore the fact that COVID-19 exists or are you going to have to rewrite your scripts to, um, you know, deal with that? And how is that going to change how the stories look? So if you're doing a period piece, it won't matter, but. Yeah, but even, okay. So even if you did write a period piece, so as an example, I saw a breakdown recently for, um, I think it was a commercial or something. And they had a whole bullet point of what they would do to keep sets safe, which was awesome. But it was like they were taking the temperature of everybody. Only three people are allowed on set at any time. The actors would be in an isolated holding facility and then someone would come get you. So certain, so it, it makes sense, you know, and everything's going to be wiped yeah. down every hour. But some of it, when you think about it, you're trying to get so much work done in a 12-hour day. Some of it's a little impractical. If you're wiping down stuff every hour, you're pushing back your, your production more and more, you know, so something that might take a day is going to take three days because of all the cleaning you have to do. And think about it. If you have a set of like 
you know, you need 20 extras. Where are you going to put them? How are you going to be six feet apart for 20 extras? I was thinking of Mm -hmm. the Battle of Helm's Deep from Lord of the Rings. How are you going to do that? You know? Seriously. But but it does. You need a football stadium to hold everybody. It does change how you shoot something, how you can have people on set, how you can have people interact, and like you were saying, how you even write the script. Because if I'm writing a script with a bunch of extras, well, cut that out. I can't have a crowd scene because how am I going to shoot a crowd safely? Well, we're all going to have to learn how to work in this new world. Um, You know, the theory of whether or not we eventually get to a vaccine and herd immunity, will that you know, at that point, can we all say, great, we can go back to doing whatever we want. But then there's the theory, you know, the talk about, will this mutate before the fall? Will it come back? You know, so there's a lot of ifs, ifs in this conversation that we will never, we won't know until we get to that point. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of experimental, you know, processes and procedures put in place to try to make it work. Well, what I've seen a, an uptick in right now is a lot of voiceover projects possibly animated projects as well. So like podcasts, news program, animated, you know, where you don't, if the actor can do it at home and they can just send their tape and that's great. I actually just shot a commercial where I shot it at home using my own equipment and I sent it into them for editing. So there's a lot of Mm -hmm. that right now where they're like, if you can do it yourself, we'll just give you some direction and send it out. There was a really interesting um, YouTube video where they were saying, creators, YouTube creators might be, this might be their moment to shine because they know how to be a one-stop shop. They know how to film it. They know how to write it. They know how to do everything and make it look good. So they, you know, this might be like the rise yeah. of the YouTuber again. So that's an interesting thought, but I do, you know, you're right. Like it, it does. I just, I, I can't see how practical it would be to try to write a big script with more than two or three people and yet somehow get it done in a day. <laughs> with all the social distancing procedures in place. Right. Yeah. I mean, we can't, you know, you can't just make everything a zoom production. Yeah. Uh, That would be interesting to see. Nobody's done that yet. Come out with like some sort of narrative. Did you see the the SNL zoom skit? Um, Oh yeah, I did with the the people in working, the work environment. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. We had six people supposedly who all work together, try to have a zoom meeting. And it was, it was pretty funny. I was, I was laughing pretty hard at that. Yeah. It was kind of like when I had my family all on uh, the Passover Seder for uh, on zoom, we had 30 plus channels going and with 50 or more people, it was pretty funny. Uh, People tried to set up green screens and do backgrounds. And then there was me sitting at my desk by myself It was it was it was fun though. It was good to see everybody. Yeah. I've done a lot of Zoom lately. Besides uh, that, um, Zoom. I I read that Zoom's uh, sales went from uh, ten million to was it a hundred million in oh this period? Goodness. I can imagine. Yeah, their number of counts might have been two hundred million. I can't remember, but it was like it was like double digits to triple digits. I just remember that. Uh, it was Although a it's lot. not entirely secure, so it, we'll see how it plays out. They've been putting out updates and there and a lot of emails about trying to you know make sure everyone's using the security features properly. It has security features, but you have to use them. But then there's a whole nother side to the back end of the corporate security, whether they're secure as a company. Yeah, you know, they it, weren't. Does, 
it does kind of make this, me wonder, yeah. like if you're on it and you're talking about confidential or very private information, you're like, uh, because I didn't even realize like people can just, anybody can just record it. It's not just the host. Like anybody can record it, I think. Yeah. And it shows you in the corner, there's usually it'll say recording. So you know that whoever's hosting it's recording it. But again, you don't know what hacks there are to the system because it's still yeah. relatively new and unproven, you know, so you don't know what problems it has until somebody exploits it. Yeah. So, so I think it's been a very helpful tool, but I think, I mean, you know, they couldn't have predicted a pandemic. So they, I don't think all the kinks were worked out or now we're seeing where the cracks are because everybody's using it. Yeah. So coming up, we have an interview with Joe Frank from Artistry. He is a literary agent and he's got quite the bio. He's a former producer and then went into management agentness. That's not a word, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's he's transitioned. Yeah. So he's going to talk to us about what it's like being an agent in the time of coronavirus and his thoughts on what's going to happen. But uh, it's our first time having an agent or a manager on the show, so I'm very excited. Hi, Joe. Welcome. Thank you. Joe, let's start a little bit with your background. We understand you were in production, then you became a manager, and now you're an agent. But you've had a very, very career. So why don't you tell briefly the listeners what you've done? Thank you guys for having me here uh, to to my my room here. Uh, happy to be here. Um, no, thanks for having me here, guys. Yeah, I you know I've wanted to work in in this. I'm born and raised in Seattle. I've, I've wanted to work in the business for a long time and. Uh, for me, it's kind of always been a long-term, you know, kind of uh, game, and so I've always just had an interest in learning the full kind of scope and things. Uh, and I actually started my career uh, at UTA in the mailroom, and so that was actually kind of my first introduction to the agency world was through that kind of traditional, you know, channel of, of you know, I was fortunately able to to get a spot in the mailroom. But as I, you know, throughout my career, kind of you know, saw different opportunities and, and you know, uh, got afforded some of those opportunities to see different parts of the industry, you know, to me, that just feels like I can be uh, a better representative uh, of artists, uh, ultimately, and, and I think a better agent uh, as well, having kind of seen different sides of the business, uh, you know, if that's so it's kind of always been always had been a goal of mine in kind of shaping uh, which kind of part of my career I, I wanted to really land in, so to speak. So then after you spent these years in production and development, you, uh, you became a manager, had mm-hmm. your own management company, mm-hmm. and, uh, and now you've moved to the agency side. Yes. It, I mean, was that your goal all along? And, and, then, and how do you feel like that the difference between the two? Because they're, they're, they're supposed to be uniquely you know, different roles. Right, right. Well, it, it, to be uh, candid, um, it was actually kind of part of my plan. Uh, but after I had worked at Epics, I pretty much went right home and started my own production company, a management company. And part of the reason I did that was, to me, I felt that I, from a place of, of experience and uh, I'd say a little bit of confidence and, and from a, a network perspective, felt that uh, I'd be able to go out there and potentially make a sale and, and get a client list going together. So, but that, however, 
you know, was ultimately something I chose to do, A, because it's something I had always wanted to do, but B, I, I did ultimately in the back of my head think that it might give me a better chance at getting reestablished in the representation world. Uh, and, and so I've landed at Artistry, which uh, is a wonderful, wonderful agency. Uh, you know, for anyone that might not be as familiar, they are uh, a recently uh, signed signatory to the WGA uh, and are expanding uh, the literary department there. And, and that was part of, you know, uh, their, their uh, incentivizing, uh, incentivizing for incentivization uh, for, for bringing me on. And so it's been part of uh, the agency's effort there. But, you know, in terms of transitioning from a manager to an agent, uh, you know, my day to day doesn't change too much on the literary space. You know, I think agents uh, are uh, ideally, uh, I'll say, um, you know, fiduciaries, uh, true fiduciaries to their clients. I think managers historically have been known to play a little bit more of a role in the creative development side of things. And that's certainly part of what inspired me to start Island Park Entertainment, which was my management company. Uh, I think agents are, are more known for the actual selling of material, but it's very clearly uh, here in April 2020, it's a new world. And I think all of these things are going to continue to adapt and evolve. So, Joe, you just joined Artistry in March and then yeah. this pandemic thing happens. I'm assuming you are building your roster. I mean, have you seen a yeah. complete shutdown in the industry as far as like how you can pitch your clients? Are people still submitting? Should people submit to you right now for representation? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, it, it's it has definitely been. Uh, it was definitely an interesting time to join a below the line agency. That's for sure. I mean, uh, and I don't think uh, the situation, of course, was was not unique to to our agency or or really to any, uh, as pretty much virtually every global production shut down. So absolutely, uh, you know, I was I witnessed for 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 certain, you know, as productions more and more production shut down. I started there in early March, and so it was really over the next couple of weeks that things started to pick up uh, in terms of closing down. And so, you know, we were very much concerned with, of course, our, our clients' safety and health and, and making sure they were able to get back, you know, home from, from productions and, and, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, we could get them, you know, as, as much pay, you know, as we could and, and, but kind of to, to pivot a little bit to the to the question uh, or aspect of your question about the literary space, that is one area where where I do feel extremely fortunate because uh, the writers and uh, you know that part of this part of the industry is one of the few parts of the industry that can still function, and and writers are very much uh, used to working you know at, at in a home office or perhaps less so in this case, but at a cafe, and so. In an interesting way, I think it kind of almost level it levels the playing field in terms of um, I think something I, I thought of or, or said the other day was it's almost one global test of self-discipline. You know, for for people, I might add, that are lucky enough to to have a place to to, to stay home. You know, you see all these stay home ads. So I, you know, in, in terms of submitting to submitting material. I think objectively, you can say that no one's on set right now, you know, and, and people are, you know, uh, everyone's home <laughs> in their rooms. And so, you know, there's there's, there's no uh, 
yeah, sorry, I got to get across the LA. And so that'll take me two and a half hours. Um, you know, there's no advantage to being on the lot with the producer. Uh, you know, it's, and no one's, no one's going to want to go back to driving after this is over. They're going to be like, can I just work at home all the time? Well, right. And I think there's a very, I think there's a very real, uh, element of that and, and shift that we're about to see in terms of, you know, the digitizing of not just the entertainment industry, but every industry as a whole. And I think what's really cool, uh, you know, just as an aside, you know, is to, to, to see uh, a lot of uh, workers in the United States that for the longest time, I think the general populace considered not essential. And we're now discovering just how essential those people are and, and Kind of to pivot off of that, I think a lot of really cool stories are going to emerge uh, from this. A uh, lot of a COVID stories, I'm sure. <laughs> what advice yeah. would you give to writers who are in that, you know, maybe they were going to go look for reps or they're in that transition period or, you know, whatever? Like, what, what advice would you just give yeah. to writers in general right now? You know, I, I would say, uh, you know, well, to anyone in the business, but especially writers. Uh, definitely understand that a lot of changes are happening at these companies, you know, especially of course, uh, you know, the, the news came out, I think yesterday was the one year mark uh, for, for the, for the agency stalemate. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on and this is going to sound strange, but simultaneously not going on, right. Because no one's actually working and a lot of deals are being, you know, potentially threatened with force majeure. Uh, you know, I would say, definitely, you know, engage and, and don't be afraid to engage. I mean, every, everyone handles uh, things differently. Uh, and I think that, you know, I've seen some people uh, kind of use work as a way to, to continue going and, and to, you know, to get through this and, and other people handle it differently. And, and that's fine. I do think that in terms of a more long term outlook, I think it's probably going to be, you know, there's still a lot of uh, you know, bureaucratic uh, red tape that has to be cut through uh, for a lot of companies in terms of getting their loans and and making sure they can, you know, get or keep, get back or, or put agents back on payroll and managers. And so, you know, I, I would say definitely now I, I wouldn't not be reaching out to people, um, but I would say, you know, be sensitive to, to the idea that, you uh, there are some, you know, at least at, at the higher levels, you know, there's a lot of kind of, I don't want to say scrambling, I don't want to speak for any company, but a lot of kind of scrambling for, for lack of a, a more articulate word um, in terms of, you know, making sure everyone, everyone's company can, can get through this. But uh, I think it's as good a time as ever to be a writer right now, to be honest. And, and the other thing I'd say too is, there are a lot of remarkable stories every day on almost every corner of every newspaper. And one thing that I've always kind of liked uh, or, or thought of is if you're reading it in the news, it, ha it likely hasn't been, well, likely hasn't been written in a script yet. And I think we are in a situation right now. Uh, and again, not to, you know, say that I think that, you know, oh, COVID-19 related material is going to sell. I do think there will be a certain appeal, you know, at, at some point. But, you know, I would, I would, advice I would give to writers is, you know, may, maybe find some, you know, different ways into interesting stories uh, that you can pull out of what's going on right now. 
Uh, and I think, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll see a lot of uh, beautiful stories of, of uh, American heroism, of, of um, South Korean heroism. I mean, it's not it's not just America. I mean, this is a global, global pandemic. It, it really is affecting everyone. And that's, of course, the tragedy and the beauty of it. In this weird time frame, it's uh, it's been kind of uh, interesting about thinking about, you know, as, as, you know, aspiring writers, as producers, what can you do during this lockdown? And Roshni actually uh, recently launched her narrative podcast, Expat, Very which cool. kind of, kind of inspired me to start writing one. Uh, do you, what do you think of this like non-traditional media, these uh, narrative podcast web series? Uh, you know, for a while it was like, oh, everyone's got a web series. Is it still right. a good idea to do these kinds of things, these kind of projects that you can do on your own? You know, I, I actually, I absolutely think so. I, I, I saw something the other day, and I, I, I can't uh, off the top of my head, off the top of my head, cite the source, but it was something. Uh, it was a quote that spoke to how Audible content is becoming increasingly uh, consumed more increasingly uh, in in previous years. Uh, in part to do because of multifunctionality, uh, you know, how we can do, you know, you can multitask, you can go for a run and listen to a, a story. And I think that's really attractive to a lot of content producers uh, and, and buyers as well. I think, you know, we're seeing in podcasts a lot of big name stars doing scripted shows. Uh, and that's uh, no longer an irregular thing to see or, or a rarity. So Look, I, I absolutely think it's it's smart for writers and content creators, really, of, of, of any and all formats to, you know, especially in this time, uh, you know, where, again, we're, we're kind of left to our own devices and, and whatever fortunate devices we are fortunate enough to have uh, to, to experiment with these things. Um, you know, I think, you know, there, there's no time like right now to, to, to get, you know, experimental and, and, but, but to answer your question more specifically, I, I do think that there is a general push in the marketplace uh, towards audible content. And, and I say audible, not the company, but the word audible. Yeah. <laughs> Just, cool. you know, to, to make a disclaimer there. Cool. No, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, we were just talking about, uh, was it Cuby, Quibi? Quibi. Quibi, yeah. that's how um, you say it, okay. Quibi, Quibi. Um, yeah, those are really interesting because you've got some big name actors appearing in you know these mobile, pretty much only short yeah. form content. And uh, have, you, have you been seeing any interest in, in uh, looking at writers for those platforms? You know, uh, I, we, we actually had a pitch. Uh, we pitched them. Uh, at, at, at some point in the past, and I, I won't mention the studios or anything like that involved, of course, but um, so I, I myself ha have been familiar with Quibi for, for some time now, I'd say a, a couple of years, and, and I, I don't mean that in any type of, wow, I'm cool way, but just um, objectively, I, I've known about it, and so... You're I, very I, cool, Joe, you're very yeah, cool. So cool, and you know, such an insider. Uh, but no, I found it uh, very interesting to kind of See, uh, watch this uh, launch evolve. Um, I, I found it was very interesting that uh, they were sued last week. I think it was last week or the week before prior to their April 6th release. Um, and, and it does appear that uh, those 
that group that that sued them are getting their their initial arguments heard. But um, all of that aside, I think it's an interesting time uh, for for a, a platform like Quibi, you know, which is uh, obviously designed for mobile users. You know, suddenly, you know, it was this idea that. You know, while you're waiting in line at a restaurant, or perhaps you are waiting uh, at a bus stop, or waiting for someone outside of, you know, anywhere, meeting, you know, and you have 10 minutes to watch an episode, and here we are all of a sudden, uh, almost over at 1.90% of the globe, I think literally is locked down and stuck and confined in our rooms, and that becomes an interesting conundrum. Well, you know, most of us have that are fortunate enough to have screens larger than an iPhone screen, it kind of feels like, well, why would I turn that on if I can enjoy something on a much larger screen? At the same time, I I, I think, you know, they have an impressive offering of, of shows. And um, just from what I can speak of, just from my experience and, and what little I do know about their programming, uh, I'm definitely excited to see what, what they're going to be coming out with in terms of its long-term you know, viability, I think that very much remains to be seen. And I have no doubt the pandemic, you know, the ongoing pandemic will play, you know, a large part in that. But, it, you know, as an agent and a literary representative, I'm excited that there's, a, you know, a new buyer in the marketplace, certainly. Tom and I were actually talking about this earlier, but because, like, I don't know if you've seen uh, Governor Newsom had like a six point bulletin of like, what would it take for us to start easing on the restrictions? And, you know, it's like six feet apart in the restaurants and everyone has to wear masks. And I'm just kind of curious, have you uh, asked your writers to kind of start thinking about writing and creating with that thought in mind of like, we can't have 50 million extras or, you know, people do need to be six feet apart in a scene or something like that, you know, just to kind of help with those restrictions. Have you seen any scripts come through like that? To, to answer your question, well, to, to answer your, uh, just your last question, I, I haven't seen any material come in um, uh, specifically that, that, that addresses that. Um, but absolutely, I, I've certainly been having these conversations, you know, with my writer clients. I mean, look, I, I, again, I think it is fair to say objectively that it, it, we will be living in a, uh, a, post, uh, a post-war society, uh, I think is fair to say. And... Uh, I, I think absolutely, this is going to be one of those moments, I think, that where we will look back on this and we will look at shows that were produced and released right up until the kind of mass publicizing of, of this pandemic and shows that were uh, created, well, during, as we saw with Saturday Night Live uh, and after and say, oh, that show, I think, you know, was probably before you know, in a before and after. At the same time, however, and this will sound quite dichotomous, and I, uh, I hope not to be eating my own words here, I do think that stories will be able to, you know, be told that can avoid the subject entirely. So, you know, ultimately, I think it remains to be seen, you know, but, you know, more generally, more broadly, I think this will be something that will be hard to avoid. Uh, and I think actually, uh, I, I saw, and I think this was publicized recently, that uh, Ryan Murphy's project about uh, old Hollywood in the 20s, I believe, will be now touching on the Spanish flu. So, uh, and, and there was a great quote from uh -huh. Jason Blum actually in a recent reporter article about how, 
something, you know, to similar effect. So I do think that there will be a before and after, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, story is, is, is what you make of it. I think uh, great stories are great stories. And, you know, I don't think that they will have to be related to or be including the pandemic to be a great story. So. Thanks for coming on the on uh, Writers Group Therapy, Joe. Thank you. Maybe uh, maybe as this uh, evolves, we can have you back uh, to talk about how things, uh, you know, how how we do get out of this situation. It'd be great to have your perspective as we continue. Yeah, I would, I would love to come back. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me. And you know, another thing that I would was going to say in terms of how the pandemic has been affecting the WGA issues, um, you know, I think. That again, that will remain to be seen. I kind of wanted to make sure I addressed this. I'm seeing it now, looking up, and uh, I do think that remains to be seen a little bit. We did hit the one-year mark. There have been talks of pushing them. Uh, I, I think it would be quite interesting to try. I mean, considering how chaotic these negotiations were uh, before a global pandemic struck virtually the entire industry from working. Uh, it's interesting to consider how these negotiations would go in, in, in the current state, but uh, we'll see. So uh, I would say, you know, I'll be staying tuned uh, along with everyone else on that one. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Awesome. That was Joe Frank with Artistry. We are Writers Group Therapy. You can find us online at writersgrouptherapy.com. Make sure you check us out. We'll see you soon and stay safe out there.